0: You are listening to The Life Podcast, a Pacific Life podcast for financial professionals discussing issues, opportunities, and events associated with Pacific Life Insurance Company and the life insurance industry. Although this podcast is sponsored by Pacific Life, the opinions and views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not necessarily reflect Pacific Life Insurance Company's views on any of the topics discussed. Please listen to the important
1: disclosures
0: at the end of this podcast. From the shores of Southern California, this is The Life Podcast, designed and produced for financial professionals and life insurance producers wanting to connect with experts and specialists within our community. Join us and our team of leaders for an informative and entertaining journey around the ocean of Pacific life as we spread our knowledge and enthusiasm for life insurance. Here are your hosts, Stephen Mitchell
2: and Bill Bell. Well, good morning, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to our special live version of the Life Podcast from Pacific Life here in beautiful Aliso Viejo, California, on a sort of a cloudy day here. But this is Stephen Mitchell here at our home office in Aliso Viejo. I'm also joined by Bill Bell, who's in an office down the hall from me. Why don't you say hello to everybody, Bill?
0: Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me now?
2: Oh, loud and clear. That's great.
0: Uh, Really excited to be on this morning's uh, webinar here, uh, the live version of the Life Podcast. Uh, a little background as to why we're doing this particular episode the way that we are. Uh, a number of my favorite podcasts have been doing live shows around the country, and we thought, what better way to bring the Life podcast to everybody, uh, all of our listeners, than to do a webinar, do the recording live, so you can all kind of peek behind the curtain and see what it is that we do and how we do these webinars and and the podcasts themselves. So. Stephen, I'll turn it back over to you to present the agenda of what we're going to talk about here today.
2: Here's our agenda today. We've got um, a little different order for our broadcast today. We're going to take the, the 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 mailbag segment and kind of split it up into a couple of different questions that'll be uh, interspersed throughout the the broadcast. But the big feature today is that we have three exciting guests. We have three of our very best Pacific Life wholesalers from around the country, and they're going to be on uh, giving. Uh, brief presentations giving you listeners some great sales ideas to use in positioning Pacific Life products in your business. Um, in the middle of that uh, cornucopia of knowledge, we're going to be doing the ever-popular Road Warrior Restaurant Review. I know that that's probably the main reason why by, by some of you are tuning in today. Last uh, time we did a broadcast, we started a mini Civil War with our uh, barbecue review. Uh, we still have some angry emails coming in from people in Tennessee and Kansas City that uh, felt uh, slighted when we we gave the barbecue nod to um, Texas. So today we're gonna try to stir the pot up a little bit more with another exciting food item that might engender some regional um, controversy, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. And then we'll wrap up at the end of the show. We'd just like to tell everybody that, again, this is live today, so we might have a few little little bumps here. Our, our special guests are appearing from their offices around the country. So with that, why don't we get this uh, show on the road, The Life Podcast, and we're gonna actually start with a, a mailbag question. Uh, that I'm going to throw to Bill, and that's going to sort of lead into our first guest speaker. So here's a a very timely question that came in from a fellow named Jason who lives in Ohio. Jason writes to us, Dear Mailbag, I've been reading about President Trump's tax proposal, and I am unsure how it would affect life insurance planning. What are your thoughts on this matter? Signed at Jason in Ohio. So what do you think, Bill?
0: Well, this is a a question that I get quite frequently, Um, and in fact, everybody in the ADU does. And the reason why is that just there's so much uncertainty in regards to where we're going to go with tax reform here in 2017 and beyond. Uh, We've seen a number of different proposals. Paul Ryan uh, put out a proposal. Uh, Steve Mnuchin put out a, a list of bullet points a couple of months ago. We thought that we would probably have something a little more formalized at this point here or at least that's what the administration was hoping for. Uh, It's looking more likely that tax reform is probably going to be on the agenda for 2018 rather than 2017 but they do keep saying that they want to have something in place by the end of this year that would be effective for next year. We shall see how that actually happens. There are a few things that I would like you to keep in mind uh, when we're talking about tax reform and life insurance planning. First and foremost, when we are planning for our clients, we are planning for the next 30 to 40 years and not the next four years. Tax laws change, rates change, the estate tax has been repealed in the past, it has come back. um, So we can't really plan on what's going to happen just for the next few years. Four years from now, we could have a different president. We could have different people in the House and the Senate. Uh, We could have a a completely different form of tax reform at that point. Um, Eight years from now, whatever it may be, unless you know your client is going to pass away in the next four years, chances are that the estate tax law and the income tax laws are going to be different than they are now. That's just how tax policy works. So whether or not you're working with a high net worth individual in a wealth transfer case to provide liquidity for estate taxes, or you're working with a business owner to do a non-qualified deferred compensation plan uh, for key executives or business owners for with a business succession plan, or you're just looking at uh, using life insurance uh, for risk protection. A, max funded cash value life insurance policy that's going to be used as a supplemental source of retirement income remember you gotta take the long-term view you can't be worried about what's going to happen over the next four years you gotta be worried about what's going to happen over the next 40 years and again I would like to reemphasize that tax law is only permanent to the extent that it's permanent until it changes again the estate tax rules that we currently have in place were only put in place in 2010 and they're already talking about changing them. The rules before that were put in place in 2001. So these things change. They're very cyclical. We are taking a long-term view. Again, 40 years, not four years. And if if your client has a need for life insurance protection, tax reform should not be a hindrance. It should not be a reason to keep them away from the planning that they so desperately need. So, that has been kind of my pat answer on this, uh, Stephen. Um, It's something that uh, gets a lot discussed a lot, uh, but the bottom line is is if a client has a need for life insurance planning, they they need to ignore the noise of potential tax reform and get the planning done before they have a change in health or something else that's going to make life insurance either less affordable or something that they can't get at some point in the future.
2: So, that's That's my answer. Certainly great advice for everybody out there, Bill, so why don't you go ahead and and bring on our our first guest.
0: All right, well let me, I I have the distinct privilege of introducing our first guest here, a good friend of mine happens to share the same birthday, July 13th, so we just uh, celebrated a few weeks ago. Uh, Harvey Strait, who is our Regional Vice President in the Central Texas area, uh, covers Austin, San Antonio, Uh, pretty much everywhere south of Austin and into Louisiana and so forth. Um, Harv's uh, nickname is Harvelous, and he got that from one of our favorite producers who just combined his name with the word marvelous because he's marvelous and he's Harv, so he became Harvelous. Uh, Pretty much everybody in the home office here calls him that, even if he doesn't know that. Uh, His interests include guitar, guitar, the Dallas Cowboys for some unknown reason, and of course, living in Austin, Texas, barbecue. So as Stephen mentioned earlier, for those listeners of the Life uh, Podcast, you'll know in the last episode we talked all about Austin-area barbecue. Uh, Harvey, what were your thoughts on uh, our discussion on Austin-area barbecue?
3: Well, knowing you both and uh, having dined at many of these establishments with you both, I think you made the... Absolute correct decision. Uh, it was not surprising at all because we all know the epicenter of the barbecue universe is in Central Texas. So uh, well done.
0: That being said, there is great barbecue all over this country, except of ironically here in Southern, except ironically here in Southern California, which is a a, a great barbecue-free zone. It just for some reason we can't get good barbecue here, but maybe someday we can hope at least.
3: Plenty right, Arv, sprouts and avocado.
0: A lot of that. Harv, let me uh, turn it over to you to discuss uh, your topic today, which is the missing assets.
3: Well, thank you, Bill, and thanks for having me on the podcast. This is, I listen to podcasts a lot, but this is the first time I've actually been a part of a podcast, so I'm very excited. I I know there's a very high barrier to entry uh, when doing a podcast. I think you need an iPhone. Um, Other than that, I think anybody can have a podcast, so uh, thank you for having me, and and i got to say, the Life Podcast, I listen to all the time, and it's absolutely the best life insurance-based podcast there is out there, so well done, gentlemen. Uh, We will discuss the missing assets, so this is a a presentation that we, in the field, have developed along with the Home Office, Uh, and it was a, a great collaboration. And uh, I'm gonna share, you, share with you just a few slides from that presentation today. But you can find this uh, presentation that's in both uh, producer use and client use uh, on our producer website. That's lifeline.pacificlife.com. You can find uh, all of our marketing materials on that website, including the missing asset PowerPoint. Uh, you can also, for the iPad user, you can find this on our Seek application, S-E-E-K. So you can download that app and get this and many more marketing materials. So uh, the, the evolution of this uh, discussion was uh, is really a, an approach of how we talk about cash value life insurance with clients and advisors, and and the way we start the. The presentation, the conversation is really talking about a couple of problems and challenges uh, in just the general world of financial planning. So let's let's put life insurance on the side and cash value life insurance on the side, and let's talk about challenges in financial planning. So we cover four of these challenges. One being insufficient retirement income, the fact that people aren't saving enough and generally do not have enough to replace their income in retirement. Um, you just uh, did a nice update on this bill which is taxes and the impact that taxes can have on your retirement investments. That absolutely has to be taken into consideration. Uh, then we also talk about the impact of volatility on your returns. Uh, that's the information I'm going to share with you here today. And we also go into a discussion of fees, probably the, you know, the biggest. Uh, misunderstanding or biggest questions when it comes to uh, overfunded life policies is the expenses and do the benefits outweigh the expenses and so we go through a pretty thorough analysis of that uh, in this presentation so uh, if I'll get to the next slide here and talk about volatility so you know let's talk about returns a little bit Um, average returns versus actual returns. And I think a lot of investors get caught in the trap of looking at average returns that are published and just assuming that applies in some linear fashion to their investment portfolio. So just to give a very simple example, if you have a a return that's negative 10% one year, and then the following year is positive 10%, you do a simple average of that, zero, right? Pretty simple. Um, but if you apply that to an investment account, let's say you had a $100,000 investment that went down 10% and went up 10% the next year, well, again, your, your simple average there is zero. But if you go down 10%, you lost 10000 now you're at 90000 and then the next year you make 10%, you're up to 99000 So even though your average return is zero, you actually lost money. So when, when, it, when it comes to investing, you've got to look at your actual returns a little bit differently than just a simple average. Uh, the other thing that typically gets lost is investor behavior. So uh, there's a study that comes out every year called the DALBAR, D-A-L-B-A-R, uh, survey that measures uh, investing returns of a, an average equity investor versus the S&P and so for the year the 10-year period ending in 2016 uh, the average equity investor uh, earned on average 3.6 percent over that 10-year period of time whereas the S&P averaged 6.95 so the, the other thing that these average returns don't take into consideration is investor behavior so with that kind of setting the table let me explain what you're looking at here uh, this is a, a 1 million dollar investment Account that we're going to assume grows 6% per year in a linear fashion. And we're also going to assume that this individual is taking out $50,000 a year for retirement income. And we're going to increase that distribution each year for 3.5% to account for inflation. So in this example, with this hypothetical client starting with this balance and taking that distribution and just assuming a 6% return each year, uh, the portfolio would last until age 89. Uh, Not too bad, right, you know, around life expectancy, maybe just past life expectancy for this individual. But let's actually, there's no investment that just pays that linear rate of return every single year. So if you were to invest in a balanced portfolio, you'd have some ups and downs, right? And you still may average 6%, but let's apply more realistic returns uh, to this scenario. So what you see in this gray uh, graph here is a sequence of returns that averages 6%. However, it's it's sequenced in a more realistic fashion. And if you were to achieve these uh, returns in this sequence, portfolio this is good news it actually lasts a few years longer age 93 Um, but if we change the sequence again this is actually the same returns that average 6% but we're just going to sequence those returns differently and this is the blue shaded graph here you'll see uh, that this portfolio had run out at age 80 uh, well before life expectancy so you know we think it's very important to talk about downside protection and minimizing downside volatility when you're trying to achieve an investment objective uh, another way that we uh, illustrate this we have a, a little slide here it's called dollar cost ravaging and uh, a lot of people have heard of dollar cost averaging, which can work to an investor's benefit as they're saving uh, for retirement so if you're putting in a stipulated dollar amount every month into an investment and the market goes down, you're actually buying more shares uh, with the same dollar amount. So that can work to your benefit as you're accumulating uh, an asset. But when it comes to distributing money and selling investments to live on for retirement income, it can have the opposite effect. So if the market goes down, you're having to sell more shares uh, to realize the same dollar amount, and that can hamper your you know, ability for future appreciation. So uh, what you see here in the green line is a portfolio that had positive returns in the early years. And you can see this individual is doing okay at age 80 with over half a million in uh, assets still with, with the purple line. Again, a same sequence of returns, just in a different order. The portfolio would run out at age 80. Uh, So this this assumption is 5.69% return, again, with just a different order to the return. So uh, just wanted to share a little bit of that presentation with you, and hopefully this kind of opens your eyes to uh, what can happen with volatility. And, of course, this leads us into, uh, you know, index universal life and how this can minimize volatility.
0: Harvey, that was great information. I have a question for you. Uh, when you are discussing this story with your producers how do you use specific life life insurance products to help illustrate how the product can uh, help to solve this problem for their clients
3: so what we'll typically do is is use one of our concept presentations in uh, in our illustration software navigator and we'll model a, a contribution into the policy and uh income distributions from the policy and retirement. Uh, And we can uh, run a presentation, either life insurance for risk protection or financial alternatives, and we can actually compare the uh, performance of the life policy against the performance of a mutual fund, other investments, et cetera.
0: And do you run these illustrations at different interest rates?
3: We do, yes. We'll typically default to uh, the rate stipulated under AG49, but we run them at uh, multiple rates. You can actually sequence rates in our illustration software, and we actually have a comparison uh, in Navigator that will let you run uh, three different interest rate assumptions side by side.
0: Terrific. Well, Steven, do you have any questions for Harvey before we move on to our next mailbag question?
2: No, it's, uh, I, I've heard this presentation several times and it just gets smoother every time. So I think uh, you can go ahead and uh, thank Harvey for that terrific presentation and then uh, get on to the next mailbag question.
0: Very good. And just for our listeners that are on the webinar this morning, uh, we are going to have time for questions at the end. And Harvey has been generous enough at this time that he's agreed to be on until the end of the webinar. So if you have questions in regards to this segment of the presentation, the missing asset, uh, feel free to type it into the chat box and we will, uh, or into the question box, and we will uh, ask those questions to Harvey at the end of the presentation this morning. So let's get on to the second mailbag question here. This one's a little more up your alley, Stephen. Uh, it comes to us from Jim in Phoenix, and the question reads Dear mailbag, my survivorship life insurance business has been down drastically since the election. Is there anything that Pacific Life is working on that would make their survivorship products more flexible?
2: Well, it's an, amazing, uh, an amazingly timely question, Jim, so thanks for sending that question in to us. Um, we had the same thinking that uh, when the Republicans took over the White House and both houses of Congress, that now there was a realistic chance for what they've threatened to do for a number of years, and that is to repeal or seriously modify the estate tax. We knew that that was going to have a deleterious effect on clients who were in the middle of an estate plan. And then uh, here's just another reason to maybe hold off on writing that check and getting that life insurance in place and put it inside of a trust to take care of a potential estate tax problem. So we knew that there was going to be a potential slowdown here. And so we went to work right away and thinking about what we could do to help advisors and producers get clients to go ahead and move forward with a a life insurance purchase as a part of an estate plan. And we came up with the concept of a writer that was actually an old writer that we've had for many, many years. It was a, a, a split option writer on our second to die policies that we've had again for many years which in the case of a uh, a modification to the unlimited marital deduction we had a provision there that you could split a second and die policy with no evidence of insurability into two single life policies so when we heard about the uh the election results we sort of uh, dusted ourselves off and thought well gosh well maybe that old rider will come in handy we looked at the rider and the way that the rider was worded uh it wasn't worded in a way that would accommodate a change to just the the, the tax rate itself on the estate tax so uh, we knew that we needed a new writer, so we went to work here and, in fairly short fashion, have filed and, and gained approval for a new writer. It's the same name as the old writer, it's, a, it's an Enhanced Policy Split Option Writer, or EPSO for the, the acronym. And this writer is going to be added to all of our second to die variable and indexed policies starting here probably in October. If there is a full repeal of the estate tax or up to a 50% reduction in the tax rate for the estate tax, uh, the client that owns the second-to-die policy will be able to split the second-to-die policy 50-50 into two Pacific Life single-life policies, Um, 50-50 split, uh, both the death benefit and the cash value, and they will not have to provide evidence of insurability. So this rider, the new EPSO rider, again, will be available, Jim, in um, we think late September, early part of October, and so for those clients out there that are worried about what's going to happen, this rider now, in combination with our IPEP policy and our survivorship policies on the variable side, uh, will give a client an opportunity to sort of react to any eventuality, whether there's full repeal, partial repeal, Uh, they can get out of the policy with. Cash values that we have in in our policies we also have a surrender value enhancement rider uh, that's available for our second to die policies which further enhances the early cash values. so if the client wants to surrender the policy in the early years they can get back most of their premiums that they paid for the policy if there is a change in the estate tax so that there is a need for a first death um, benefit um, the new split option rider will allow a joint life policy to be split into two single life policies that would provide, again, a death benefit uh, at first death of either insured. So whatever happens, we're ready to take that eventuality on. And again, like we, uh, like Bill referenced in the first mail back question today, uh, we're really focused on making it as easy as possible for you advisors out there to get your clients to move forward. No matter what eventuality there is with the estate tax, uh, we have the products and riders uh, that can handle any eventuality. So hey, thanks even, for that question.
0: Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, let me let me chime in a, for a second on this. Uh, giving credit where credit is due, uh, the idea for this rider did come to us from one of our, our favorite producers uh, in the southwest here. So if you have great ideas for products and riders, uh, please let us know because in some cases we actually are able to implement them. Um, And uh, in this particular case, the reason why he brought this to us was that there was a uh, sense in Washington that if the estate tax, as it's currently constructed, went away, it's very possible that the estate tax could be replaced with the Canadian system, which assesses capital gains taxes on the gain of appreciated property at the death of each spouse. So, the need for liquidity in that particular case becomes a single life need rather than a survivorship need. So, the ability to split this policy, these survivorship policies, into two single life policies can help to solve for that uh, eventuality if that is the way that they go with tax reform going forward. And using these policies in conjunction with flexible estate planning vehicles like a, a slat or a flexible islet, which is a concept that we're going to have a marketing brochure on in the next couple of months here, um, is something that can really provide uh, maximum flexibility for clients in an uncertain time. So just wanted to chime in
2: on that before we got uh, to our next guest speaker. So on that note, why don't we bring on our next guest speaker. Our next guest is Tom Meyer, who is one of our terrific Pacific Life wholesalers from the Ohio River Valley. Um, I'm going to hand the details of his introduction off to Bill because Bill is the one responsible for these mysterious nicknames. So I'm going to let Bill sort of explain the the mysterious moniker here of Dragon.
0: Uh, Well, it's it's not that mysterious. both Tom and I are huge fans of the movie Step Brothers, uh, which stars uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. And at the very beginning of that movie, uh, John C. Riley tells Will Ferrell that he has to call him Dragon. And then Will Ferrell, in turn, tells John C. Riley that he has to call him Nighthawk. So for the last five or six years or so... Tom has been Dragon, I've been Nighthawk, and uh, that's just how we address each other. So that's where he got that nickname from. Uh, fascinating. Tom's interest, uh, fascinating indeed. Uh, Tom's interests also include guitar. So we have two, actually three, uh, professional musicians on here with Stephen Mitchell, uh, Harvey Strait, uh, and Tom Meyer, or although they might call themselves amateurs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that they are all good enough to be considered professionals. Uh, Will Ferrell movies as we have already discussed and Ohio State football so with that Tom
1: O.H. I-O. Thank you Nighthawk <laughs> I appreciate it and uh, Stephen and, and Bill or Stephen and Nighthawk I apologize and thank you so much for inviting us to participate on this podcast uh, I like Harvey find the information Uh, very valuable uh, and and as though it's specific to the industry as well as Pacific life and I always enjoy the uh, controversy that gets stirred up when you start uh, comparing regional cuisine so I look forward to our debate here at the end as well Um, my piece of the presentation covers executive class underwriting and this is something that was very near and dear to our heart because it was a great collaboration Uh, with the field at Pacific Life as well as departments in the home office to include product development underwriting and marketing and essentially it is a way for us to make the process of acquiring an insurance policy for the for the designs that we are really really good at which is accumulation and distribution easier for a segment of the population and it was interesting as as the idea came up in May of 2015 it was implemented by August of 2015, which, to put a little bit of color uh, around that, means it went really fast and it wasn't met with much opposition. So, at the highest levels of the company, uh, this concept and this this form of underwriting was bought in on, as well as supported all the way through. Uh, what we've seen with this process since October of 2000, I'm sorry, since August of 2015 is an increase in the amount of applications that we've received on a simplified basis. So really when you take a look at the program, it fits very nicely into the missing asset piece that Harvey was talking about. Individuals that would be using an insurance policy to accumulate dollars that will grow on a tax deferred basis and ultimately distribute on a tax free basis. And the parameters that we put on the program itself uh, are individuals between the ages of 25 and 60 an income of two hundred thousand or more the fact that they have to pay an annual premium each year and the design has to be ninety percent of guideline premium or the seven pay premium whichever is less that falls right into our overfunded design and and it really makes the acquisition of the insurance product a lot easier in fact when you when you submit a piece of business using this form of underwriting you submit a a tele-app that I believe the producer actually signs more than the client does and they go through instead of a medical exam they go through about a 30-minute telephone interview where they're asked questions on the non-med part two as well as questions on the application there's no needles no fluids Uh, that telephone call I've experienced it myself can be done literally in 30 minutes and it could be done on the way to or from work or you know carving out 30 minutes in in a busy executives day so it's really hit the mark in trying to help us uh, get the acquisition of a life insurance product being used for an asset much easier for, for clients so when you take a look at, at what, what the client gets out of this particular form of underwriting other than kind of an easier acquisition they have access to all of the riders that are available on our products the products that we allow for use in underwriting here are our IUL products, our IUL accumulation products as well as our VUL accumulation products. And there is a, another sub-segment of, of whole life products that we can offer here assuming that all of the requirements are met that I've mentioned previously on income, age, and premium mode as well as design that will allow them to purchase a flex 15 policy or a flex protector policy inside of a qualified plant. So, when you take a look at it, we're we're trying to make things a little bit easier uh, for the individuals to acquire the policies that we sell that we're really good at, as well as allow agents to be a little bit more creative in the ways that they can use this design. The the, the policies do not have to be corporately sponsored, so as long as an individual meets the criteria that I mentioned before and they don't have an occupation that has an increased risk of mortality they can use it even if the contract even if the contract being purchased is not part of a, a corporately sponsored plan however we've also been able to use it in instances where maybe we have two to three or four or five lives something that doesn't fit inside of our normal guaranteed issue or simplified issue multi-life underwriting process to be able to put a meaningful benefit together for maybe a buy sell for a deferred compensation executive bonus type of an arrangement and, and, and that that makes it easier to acquire the policies one of the things that that I have not mentioned because it you know it sounds pretty good so there has to be a catch well given the fact that we aren't getting needle we're not we're not exposing uh, the insured to you know giving any fluids we're just doing the uh, underwriting based off of of the telephone interview itself instead in lieu of an exam we do preclude the top classes of the of the underwriting are not available. So the best that you can do inside of this type of underwriting is preferred non smoker or standard non smoker, as well as preferred smoker and standard smoker. So typically, you know, we'll get we'll get a raised eyebrow when we're talking to an agent, you know, about well, okay, we can't get the top classes. What you'll see in the next slide if we can move forward is that, that you're not giving up anything we've actually taken our PDX IUL product and compared it to the industry and we found that we can produce at a preferred non-smoker rate and a standard non-smoker rate higher distributions for the same premium for the client and higher target premiums for the same type of design relative to our competitors um, using this using the same design all while illustrating a 6.17 rate of return compared to their preferred best and their max AG 49 rate. So the combination of Harvey's story, the ease of underwriting, and the product that we have available to me makes this a home run. And it's one of the things that I would encourage you to to look at as it can be a great way to help the acquisition of a busy executive uh, to acquire that uh, cash value life insurance policy for their supplemental retirement income needs. Nighthawk, I'll turn it back to you.
0: I did have one quick question for for, uh, Dragon there. Um, You mentioned that you've had some cases where uh, you've had small groups of executives utilize this program. Have those been 162 bonus arrangements or just group LERP types of arrangements, uh, split premium bonus? What do you generally see as far as design goes with uh, utilization of this program uh, in the executive benefits world?
1: we've actually seen all three with a heavy emphasis on the controlled bonus and the group LURP idea um, the split premium bonus is a great great idea but it is a certain certain fit that it that you have to have in there meaning an employer that uh, is looking to to only participate and to a smaller extent the majority of what we've seen has been the group LURP as well as the controlled bonus plans all right
0: terrific well thank you so much for that dragon uh, again for those of you that have questions, uh, feel free to, to type them into the question box, uh, and uh, Tom is going to be on uh, the webinar to the end, so we can certainly address uh, questions at that point here. So Stephen, you want to introduce, introduce a new se- the next segment here? Uh,
2: it would be my pleasure. Um, every time we do one of these podcasts, Bill and I uh, have a, a, a heated debate about which food item we should uh, tackle for our Road Warrior Restaurant Review. Um, we've wanted to do this one for a long time, and it's um, it's the topic of one of the, really one of the only original American food items, and that is good old chili. Uh, chili was invented in the United States of America. It does not come from, from elsewhere. It's sort of an amalgamation of, of different cuisines, of course, but it, it's definitely an American original. And like barbecue, there are different regions of the country that have different kinds of chili. Down here in Southern California, you'll, you'll find, now now those of you in the uh, the South, hold your breath, we actually make white chili out here with white beans and turkey and, and alfalfa sprouts and avocado and stuff like that. So there, there's, there's regional chili out here. Of course, Texas, uh, Harvey will tell you, has some fantastic chili. Uh, you usually don't find any beans in their chili down there. There's other parts of the country where beans are an important component of chili. Uh, but Bill and I um, talked about this fairly briefly. We both agreed that the very best chili that we've had on the road comes none of other from the great state of Ohio. Now, this might be a surprise to many of you, but Ohio, and Cincinnati in particular, has fantastic chili that is oftentimes not known outside of of the immediate region there. I only found out about this when I was in Cincinnati a few years ago, all by myself on a business trip, and there wasn't anything to do, and so I decided to go down and see a Cincinnati Reds baseball game all by myself. So I went down, got a ticket, and sat up in the upper deck, and when I got hungry, I went out and looked for something to eat. And I noticed they were selling something called Coney's. And I'd never heard of a Coney before. Being out where I live, we just call those things a chili dog. Um, but the conies or the chili dogs, that they served at the stadium there uh, featured a chili that was made locally by a company called Skyline Chili. And they take a simple hot dog, slather it with this this chili, pile it high with cheese and onions if you want, and that's that constitutes uh, what we would call a chili dog. Um, the hot dog and the bun and the cheese were all things that I've had before, but I had never experienced Cincinnati chili before. And what Skyline does to chili is nothing short of breathtaking. And I wanted to have more and more. It was a very, very unusual flavor combination. And I did a little bit of research into this as, as I was, um, um, enjoying, well, I guess later, um, and actually what happened to make Cincinnati chili Cincinnati chili was that, um, the, um, German immigrants that came into the Ohio River Valley uh, had a, uh, a very fortuitous meeting with probably some old lonely cowpokes that uh, headed up from Texas with their Texas chili, uh, and they got a little lost as they went north and dropped off the cattle in Kansas City. Instead of turning around and going back to Texas, they just kept on heading up north. They ended up in Cincinnati, and so you had this this happy meeting of Texas spicy chili with German German spices that we would normally associate with things like pumpkin pie, so they added allspice and nutmeg and cinnamon and some of these sort of German spices to Texas chili and gave it a very mysterious flavor that you, you know the first time you taste it you really can't quite figure out what's in there but it's certainly different and it absolutely works so there's several vendors around the city that uh, that make chili but again um, from our perspective again maybe that first experience that I had at the stadium uh, skyline chili is is just absolutely the best so Bill why don't you uh, chime in a little bit and talk about your skyline experience
0: yeah i also thoroughly enjoy skyline chili and, and Stephen, i got to say that there's a bit of a trend uh... with the road warrior restaurant review uh, they're pretty much all meat focused to this point here so we might have to do something for the vegetarians going forward or then again maybe we won't but uh... <laughs> uh when, when i go to skyline the conies are certainly fantastic but i like to get the uh... what's called a four-way which is uh, a a pile of delicious spaghetti uh, slathered with that Skyline chili and then I get mine with with beans which is sacrilege to some but I do enjoy beans and the chili and then some onions. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the cheese but certainly you can get a big mound of uh, cheddar cheese on top of it and that would become a five way. For me I get a four way. The first time that I ever went to, to Skyline I was actually brought there by none other than Tom Meyer and uh, I was in town uh, visiting some offices with Tom, uh, discussing advanced planning concepts, and we, we had a, a free lunch, and Tom said, where do you want to go? And I said, well, I really want to try some Cincinnati chili. And he said, well, you know, the place to go is Skyline. Um, so we went there, and uh, he kind of talked it down a little bit when we went in, but after we both consumed a massive amount of chili and spaghetti and hot dogs, he looked at me and goes, you know what? That was really good. So Tom, uh, Tom uh, was introduced me to Skyline Chili and Tom, uh, what, why don't you give us a little local perspective on uh, what Skyline means to the city of Cincinnati?
1: It, it means everything. It really does. Uh, it's one of those things that, that we're known for. In fact, I believe you and Steven, uh have sought it out and actually gotten the care packages sent from Cincinnati uh, for extras. So. It's one of those items it's a Cincinnati institution and it's for cuisine it's kind of what we're known for surprisingly so um, we don't really try to forget about it all that often and and every time we go back that we seem to be pleasantly surprised so thanks for uh, thanks for the good plugs it means everything to to us from a cuisine cuisine standpoint because that's really all we got so
0: Terrific. And a reminder for all of our listeners if you have uh, thoughts or comments on uh, anything uh, in regards to the Life podcast, but we seem to get more email about the restaurant review than anything else, you can certainly send your comments to us at themailbag at pacificlife.com. Again, that's themailbag at pacificlife.com. So, with that, I'm going to bring on our final guest speaker. Um, somebody that I've known from the very first day that I started here at Pacific Life because I used to sit right next to him uh, when I first started with the company and back when he worked inside the home office here uh, Justin Stigler. Uh, Now Justin's nickname is Tommy Callahan or at least that's the nickname to me and the reason why is Justin about 10 years ago at one of our um, recruiter meetings uh, in front of the uh, a, a large audience did word for word the quintessential salesman speech from the greatest sales movie in the history of cinema, Tommy Boy. Justin got up, did the speech where Tommy learns to sell brake pads, brought down the house, got a roaring ovation, and ever since then, since then I've uh, equated Justin with the greatest salesperson in the history of cinema, Tommy Callahan. Uh, Justin is our regional vice president here in the Greater Newport office. His interests include the Cincinnati Reds, smoked meats, and Ohio State football. So with that, let me bring on Justin. Justin, O-H? I-O. There we go. We got thanks. two of those in. <laughs> appreciate
4: that. Uh, thanks, Bill, for the introduction. I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you and steven having uh... me on this podcast uh... great job by harvey and tommy uh... with uh... setting up their individual pieces harvey's presentation uh... is received in a glowing fashion by every producer I share it with and uh... this executive underwriting has truly been a game changer for us uh... that tommy talked about and was instrumental in creating. so thanks guys for those i, I do want to have a, a, a point of uh uh... conversation with Bill at the beginning Bill said there is no good uh barbecue in Southern California uh that was a dagger to my heart since I have shared with uh Bill uh the barbecue that has come directly out of my smoker in my backyard with great pride and uh apparently it does not meet his uh determination of great barbecue so
3: Stephen forevermore well, you know forever that's, more, <laughs> you you will know get that's absolutely said.
0: untrue <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know of course I was referring to a place that I would go and actually buy barbecue (laughs) if I was going to your house the barbecue would be top-notch appreciate that so um, with that said
4: uh, I was asked to come on today and uh, talk a little bit about how we uh, position lerp uh, to help our clients with their financial needs Um, really what I'm talking about today is the 30,000 foot view of some of the key features What we are going to call compliments and how we can help our producers, you the producer, as well as you position it to your clients uh, and set it up for Harvey's great presentation so you have the opportunity to get in front of them and show them the details of an individual sales concept that's tailored to them. But the way that we started at Civic life, myself, and in my territory with our producers is uh, making sure that when they're communicating with their clients, they're talking about the living benefits of life insurance. And uh, while 99% of the people, 100% of the people out there understand the value of a death benefit, uh, very few. Uh, or a much smaller percentage of the people understand the living benefits that are uh, associated with life insurance, and how life insurance can be a supplement to a retirement plan. Uh, And if used as a supplement, it it provides uh, some complement to an overall retirement plan that can be very powerful. So we start by talking about uh, similar things that you heard Harvey talk about in his presentation, the diversification of risk. Um, the risk of loss of income, the risk of outliving your income. If you look at statistics out there and research that's been done, the average pre-retiree is setting about 35% less than they need for retirement. So if you take that into account uh, with the limits that are put on qualified plans, um, the ability for them to catch up and actually put money away that will meet the retirement needs is limited and the reason that life insurance uh... and index universal life if being, if being more specific uh, meets that goal and helps diversify the risk of loss of income or outliving it is the protection of the zero percent floor on the downside you know it's an asset that you can hold inside an overall portfolio that can provide you market-type returns without the risk that are associated with other vehicles that can provide market type returns. Um, the other way, the other reason that it is such a great diversification of risk tool is because of the tax treatment that it had. When you're accumulating and distributing money in a tax-advantaged manner, when done appropriately with no income tax paid on the accumulation and distribution, the amount that you have to save in order to meet an income projection for retirement it is less. As kind of piggybacking on that concept, we queue up with uh, our producers and have our co- producers queue up with our uh, with their clients the diversification of their tax liability. In their recent history in the last 25 years, we've done a great job as a financial industry of discussing with clients the diversification of, um, their market risks. Diverse, uh, investing in large cap and small cap and income and international and domestic, uh, equities, bonds. And why do we talk about diversification of their asset classes? We talk about that. So if one asset class gets hit, uh, in, for any number of reasons, your overall portfolio doesn't get damaged as badly. If you are overweighted in one portfolio, you're going to take a hit in your your overall retirement um, goals. So what we have not done a good job of uh, in the industry, in my opinion, is talking about the diversification of our tax liability. And if you take into account the example of what happened between 2012 and 2013, if you look at 2012, the highest tax rate that we were paying is, uh, on the federal side of the house was 35%. One year later, that 35% was 43.4. Now, when you mention this to a client, it's important that they understand that if they were in a retirement scenario where they had started drawing income and they were taking the distribution and they were in that highest tax rate, they would have recognized a loss of 8.4% of that retirement income and not have lost a dime of value in their retirement portfolio. They simply lost it because the government decided to change their tax policy. So we talk about, you have a qualified plan that you're funding. That is fantastic. You have capital assets that you're funding, which might be an equities portfolio, a well, real estate portfolio, fantastic. But if you don't fund a tax-free bucket that allows you to diversify the tax liability in the future, at some point you will have to take a retirement hit because of change in tax policy. So. Piggybacking on that, another one that kind of goes with what we were just talking about is is sequencing of returns. There's a great piece out there that uh, PacLife has developed that shows in the distribution phase uh, what a negative sequence of returns could mean to a client. We saw in Harvey's presentation what a negative sequence of returns, or even just a different sequence of returns that averages out to the same overall average return would do to the simulation phase. Well, let's talk about the retirement phase. You saw in Harvey's presentation that the, the individual would run out of money by age 80. Well, think about this scenario. If you're taking distributions from a policy and you... If you were taking distributions from an overall retirement portfolio and that portfolio took a 10, 15, 20% hit or you were in 2008 or 2001, if you took a distribution on top of that negative return, how would that impact your overall value over the course of your retirement uh, future? And It would be significant in how it would uh, deplete the overall value of the portfolio. So we created a piece that shows how if you had funded that tax-free bucket and in any negative downturn uh, in the market, the immediate preceding year or in that year, you take a distribution from that tax-free bucket that had the 0% floor and therefore did not get hit by the market loss and let your equities portfolio rebound um, and not liquidated even further with a distribution how that will protect your overall income in the future for uh... of your retirement again that's a piece that uh... we have put together and is available for you uh... through pacific life through that seek application or your wholesaler can get to you get it to you and then the probably the final compliment uh... that i'll talk about is the diversification of costs you know in 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 my career in the life insurance and the financial industry, I was taught that you need to make sure that you understand the key um, objections the client would have to anything that you're going to present and make sure that you have the answer for that key objection. Address it before the client can ask it. And cost is always going to be an objection uh, in the life insurance industry. And if we learn and start addressing it before it is brought up by the client, I think our success of overcoming the cost and really the misconception with the cost of life insurance would be much greater. And it's always important to understand two things. I think it's very important when you're talking about a life insurance retirement strategy to get the client to understand that taxes are a form of cost. So when we're looking at the overall cost of the plan, make sure that they understand that other asset that they're comparing this life insurance retirement strategy to, the taxes that they have to pay on distribution should be considered in the overall cost evaluation. And then secondly, consider the inverse relationship that life insurance has in comparison to other assets out there. As other assets, like assets under management held in an equities portfolio, uh, grow, That percentage, my said, is the same, could be reduced a little bit, but the overall cost grows as the value of the asset grows. In life insurance, the reverse is true. As assets accumulate inside our life insurance policy and those assets, and that policy stays enforced for a longer period of time, the cost in our product as a percentage of asset value uh, continues to j- decrease over a period of time to the point that it falls right in line with most of the other investment alternatives out there that a client could put their money in. When you compound that understanding with the fact that we're growing it tax-deferred and distributing the money income tax-free, and that tax in an alternate investment should be deemed as a cost, we actually consider, come out, in most cases, considerably less expensive than those alternative assets. So a lot of information in a short period of time. Your wholesalers are all uh, fantastic uh, in their ability to educate you on this, to show you the pieces that Pacific Life has put together to support this stuff. Uh, just in summarizing, um, you know, life insurance is used for risk protection every day on the death benefit side. We need to be using it more on the asset diversification protection side, on the income protection side, on the market risk protection side, and on the cost diversification side. All those are complements uh, to what an everyday uh, financial advisor to the plan that they're putting together for their client. And the last point, and I'll turn it back over to Stephen, is we've talked about all the complements and diversifications that this offers the client. But think about if a financial advisor starts implementing a life insurance retirement strategy in their overall financial plan, how it diversifies not only their sources of revenue, other than assets under management, but also protects that assets under management. In 2008, uh, when we had the financial crisis, if you strictly had money uh, under management, you took a 30% hit in income just because the money that you're managing went down by 30% and there was nowhere to hide. If you had put some of that money into life insurance and had it as your overall portfolio, you would have protected your risk of lost revenue into the future and as well as protected during distribution phases of clients by having those negative sequence of distributions that we talked about earlier. So with that, that's uh, what I had to say about how we position life insurance with uh, for to meet our clients' financial needs, and I'll turn it back over to Stephen.
2: Well, thank you, Tommy, uh, and uh, for all of the rest of our guests. Again, thanks for joining us today. I think um, one of the things that that comes off, I, I hope clearly, for those of you that are listening, that you know, oftentimes a you know a podcast like this that emanates from a home office of a life insurance company. You know, has you know the potential to be sort of a you know a home office commercial for all the latest, greatest little knickknacks that we that we that we turn out here at the home office. I think that you can see clearly that the that the the sales ideas that we've presented today on the podcast, these come straight from the field. These are all ideas that are not home office ideas. These are ideas that have been developed and tested by the three gentlemen that spoke to you today on the podcast. And so these are, these are sales ideas about positioning life insurance, about creating the need for cash value life insurance, and for placing it into its proper context as a unique asset that can have a, a very uh, broad appeal to uh, producers and, and clients from across the spectrum. Um, these ideas really work. And so we're just delighted to be able to, to share them with you and to give you all an opportunity to, to hear some of these ideas um, from a fresh perspective. Um, Before we wrap up today, we do have a little bit of time for questions, so I don't see any written questions on the screen, but there are a couple of people who have raised their hands. So if you'd like to ask a question, you can raise your hand and we can unmute your line. So uh, it's your chance to sort of immortalize yourself by uh, asking a question on a national podcast. So um, I'm actually going to unmute. There's a raised hand from David Duncan. I don't know, David. Are you still on the line, and do you still have a question? No, I I don't have any more questions. Thank you. You don't want to immortalize yourself with a fresh oh. question? No, no, thank you. Thanks okay. for tuning in. Uh, let's go then to. We also have a hand up from. I think that's it. Anybody else want to raise their hand and and ask a question of any of our panelists, or if you have a a strong opinion about uh, our Chile recommendations. Okay, um, just like any any live show, there are some. Uh, we, we promised you that there would be some technical snafus. So apparently, I was enjoying all the slides that uh, were supposed to be on screen, but out in the broadcast world, the slideshow apparently got stuck on Road Warrior, Restaurant Review, or Mailbag 2, So, uh, for those of you that would like a copy of this deck feel free to contact your Pacific Life representative. You can download it from uh, the, the, the meeting site here. You can also email us at themailbag at PacificLife.com and we can get a copy of the deck to you as well. Um, we will be packaging this recording up and distributing it through our normal um, podcast application that hopefully many of you, if not all, have subscribed to. So if you'd like to go to our our podcast, you can get it on Apple iTunes. You can go to our website at uh, thelifepodcast.com, and you can sign up for the the podcast. Make sure, if you go there, um, to leave a review and leave a rating for us. We only have a few people who have been brave enough to go on there and and say how awesome the podcast is and to give us a a rating. So if you could do that, that would certainly help us keep the podcast uh, free and on the air. Uh, And then again, any other questions you have about the material on the podcast today, feel free to reach out to either Bill or myself or any of the gentlemen that uh, spoke to you uh, or your local Pacific Life representative, of course. So thanks again to our special guests today, Harvey Strait, Tom Meyer, and Justin Stigler. Um, By their their formal names, you all found out not only that, but they they had some really interesting uh, nicknames as well. We'd also like to thank our terrific production team, behind the scenes, Jenna McMahon, Jan Schreiber, and Michelle Schumann. And also, again, a big thanks to our sponsors here at the Life Insurance Division, David Rosick and Don Troutman. So, For Bill Bell, I'm Stephen Mitchell. I'd like to thank everybody again for tuning in today. Be sure to go to our website, sign up for the podcast, and we'll see you all very soon next time we take another trip on the Life Podcast. Thanks, everybody.
5: Pacific Life is a product provider. It is not a fiduciary and therefore does not give advice or make recommendations regarding insurance or investment products. ILIT refers to an irrevocable life insurance trust. IUL refers to index universal life. LIRP refers to life insurance for risk protection. PDX IUL refers to Pacific Discovery Accelerator Index Universal Life. SLAT refers to a spousal lifetime access trust. VUL refers to variable universal life. Enhanced Policy Split Option Rider, Rider Form Number R17ESO or ICC17 R17ESO based on state of policy issue. Rider allows policy owner to split the policy if the federal estate tax marital deduction is reduced or eliminated or the maximum estate tax rate is reduced to half of the rate it was at the date of policy issue. Pacific Life Insurance Companies index Pacific Estate Preserver II, IPEP II, Policy form number P15SIL, S15-IEP2, or ICC-15, P15-S1L, icc 15s 151 ep 2 based on state or policy issue. The SVERA writer, SVER term insurance writer, asset form number R17SVA, S17SVA, or ICC-17, R17SVA, ICC17, S17SVA, based on state of policy issue, is an optional rider available at policy issue for an additional asset-based charge. Flex 15 is Pacific Life Insurance Company's Flex 15, a fixed premium interest sensitive whole life insurance, policy form number, P08F15. Flex Protector is Pacific Life Insurance Company's Flex Protector 2, a fixed premium interest sensitive whole life insurance. Policy form number P08FP2. Pacific Discovery Accelerator IUL is Pacific Life Insurance Company's Flexible Premium Indexed Universal Life Insurance Product. Policy Form Number P15IUL and S16PDX or ICC15 P15IUL and ICC16 S16PDX based on state of policy issue. In this podcast, references to agents or producers is intended to mean life insurance producer. In order to sell life insurance, a financial professional must be a properly licensed and appointed life insurance producer. Pacific Life reserves the right to change or modify any non-guaranteed or current elements. The right to modify these elements is not limited to a specific time or reason. Writers will likely incur additional charges and are subject to availability, restrictions, and limitations. When considering a writer, request a policy illustration from your life insurance producer to see the writer's impact of your policy's value. Variable universal life, Index universal life, and universal life insurance generally requires additional premium payments after the initial premium. If either no premiums are paid or subsequent premiums are insufficient to continue coverage, it is possible that coverage will expire. Index universal life does not directly participate in any stock or equity investments. Life insurance is subject to underwriting and approval of the application will incur monthly policy charges. This material is not intended to be used nor can it be used by any taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal, state, or local tax penalties. This material is written to support the promotion of marketing of the transaction of matters addressed by this material. Pacific Life, its affiliates, their distributors, and respective representatives do not provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Any taxpayer should seek advice based on the taxpayer's particular circumstances from an independent tax advisor or attorney. Pacific Life is not engaged in the practice of law, nor are they licensed to do so. This communication is not intended as legal or tax advice, nor may it be relied upon by any taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding any tax penalties. This communication may not be used to promote, market, or recommend to another party any transaction or matter addressed herein. Any taxpayer should seek advice based on the taxpayer's particular circumstance from an independent tax advisor. Pacific Life refers to Pacific Life Insurance Company and its affiliates, including Pacific Life & Annuity Company. Insurance products are issued by Pacific Life Insurance Company in all states except New York and in New York by Pacific Life & Annuity Company. Product availability and features may vary by state. Each insurance company is solely responsible for the financial obligation occurring under the producted issues. Insurance products and their guarantees including optional benefits and any crediting rates are backed by the financial strength and claims painability of the issuing insurance company. Look to the strength of the life insurance company with regard to such guarantees as these guarantees are not backed by the broker-dealer, insurance agent, or their affiliates from which products are purchased. Neither these entities nor their representatives make any representation or assurances regarding the claims gainability of the life insurance company. Pacific Life's home office is located in Newport Beach, California. The state code for this podcast is 17-203. This podcast was recorded on August 1st, 2017.